0: want to thank you this morning we need you yes we need you If you're here this morning, if you need help, just call on God this morning. Whatever your situation may be. Because in just one moment, in just one moment, said it will all turn around. I said it will all turn around. Father, we bless you. We give you praise. We give you praise. Right now, God, for for me, I know I need you. I need you. Thank you for your promise. Say the expectation of the righteous will not be cut short. Thank you. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for everyone here is receiving the health that they need now. In Jesus name, we're praying. Amen. I practically don't know how to come after that, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's gonna be a lot of work for me. <laughs> it just, I mean, it just, it just shows how God just works, it doesn't matter who you are. If you present yourself before God, He will use you. Yes. I got my message this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's all pack up and go. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was anointed. Yeah, that was anointed. That was that was one anointed. Yes. Yes. Spoken word. Hallelujah. All right. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We ask you to just open our eyes. Help us to be able to see what you want us to see this morning. We thank you because your spirit is present here. You said where two or three are gathered together, you are there in their midst. Thank you, Father, because you are here. And we receive your presence. We receive your word. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 And Pastor Bank, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I, I like small groups. It's, it's what I like doing. <laughs> and thank you for allowing me, you know, do this. I really appreciate it. And what, what, better time to, um, what better time to speak about, you know, small groups. A lot of things just fell in place somehow. And one of the things is I met my friend here many years ago. We're just a group of guys, just young teenagers, I guess. 1988. I met him in a small group, just teenagers who, uh, who just love sharing the word, just love exposing the word, just love God, and will come together and share the word of God. And I tell you most of the things that have impacted my life most, and I'm sure you can bear witness to that or testimony to that also, that the things that have impacted our lives spiritually, was within that group that we had. We cried together, we shared together, we 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 loved God together, we 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 were victorious together. And today some of those, you know, young men that were there were just all over the place. And a lot of people are just doing so many things for God that are unspeakable. And just started from that small group. Many of us didn't know whether we even had a call from God. We didn't even know what it was. We just knew that we wanted to share the word and we came together as a group. And as we came together in this group, little by little, God began to reveal who we were to us. That we, that we never, without ourselves in our small group, been ever, ever be able to perceive. So when he told me he was coming, I was like, how how does God plan all these things? Just confirming the things that he wanted in our lives. And I tell you, that wasn't the only small group I belonged to. I belonged to so many small groups as I was growing up as a Christian. And these were some of the things that affected my life the most. The things I know about God, I did not know them in large congregations. I knew them because I was there putting my hands to the plow. And that's why I just want to implore you today don't be isolated. Don't isolate yourself. God did not create you to be isolated. God never created anybody to be by themselves. God created us to function and to work together as a community of people. That's where our strength is. So, so while God is saying, My desire is not for you to be isolated, the devil's major plan for a Christian is to get you isolated. If it gets you isolated, if you are isolated, it does not matter who you are. it does not matter what your attainments in God have been. you will never be able to attain to the full potentials that God has created with you for you. So this morning, if you don't get anything as we go into the scripture, I want you to know, I want you to know that while God has not created you, to be alone the devil is plotting to isolate you if you don't get anything this morning just hold on to that and maybe that will help you as you go along in the things that we do all right let's open to uh first kings chapter nine there are so many uh uh, verses of scriptures or scriptures that i could use or so many texts of scriptures that i could use 1 Kings 19. Did I say 19, right? I said 19. 1 Kings 19. From verse 1. But I particularly chose this scripture because I want to show you that it does not matter how much you have attained in God. If the devil succeeds in isolating you, it doesn't matter who you are in God. If the devil succeeds in isolating you, He has gotten one up over you. From verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying. So let the gods do to me and more also if i do not make your life as if i do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time you know we prayed about the time of life and when he saw that when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to beersheba which belongs to judah and he left his servants there but he himself went a days journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom, a broom tree, or another translation calls it the juniper tree. And he prayed that he might die, and said, "It's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my fathers." Then, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, "Arise and eat." Then he looked, and there was by his head. Uh, sorry, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. This man is confused. He wanted to die and yet he's eating. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose. And ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that uh, food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Listen to his reply. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind An earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been zealous for God. He's repeating that same thing again. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants, turned down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king of Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimish as king of Israel and Elijah the son of Shephat of Abel-Meholah you shall anoint as prophet in your place it shall be that whatever whoever escapes the sword of Azael Jehu will kill and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu Elijah will kill yes I have reserved, listen to this, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shephat, who was plowing with uh, 12 yoke of oxen before him and he went with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled the flesh using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Praise the Lord. Like we'll say, the Lord blessed the reading of his word. That was not. <laughs> now, let me give you a background of this, you know, of this scripture before we go there. Elijah was a prophet of God. He appeared in the scene, I mean, smoking hot. All right. And Elijah was so uh, anointed. And what God anointed him to do was to bring... About judgment and reconciliation between God and His people, He was supposed to turn the hearts of the people of God back to God. And in doing so, there were a lot of miracles that happened in the life of Elijah. All kinds of things were happening, you know. And one of the things that we know is that he went ahead and uh, uh, and eventually slayed the prophet of Baal, thinking everything will have been done or everything will have been settled at that time. But alas, Elijah was walking alone. And when you walk alone or as he was walking alone because sorry let me let me let me let me repeat that statement with everything that was happening in Elijah's life all the miracles that were happening all the great things that God was doing in Elijah's life at the end of the day he could not even stand it or perceive it because he was alone So Elijah ran away when there was a threat to his life. But look at how God, look at what God told him. If Elijah had taken heed he of if he had settled down to understand what God's plan was for him, or how God wanted him to operate, or how God wanted him to do things, maybe the results for Elijah would have been different. And what do I mean by that? What I mean simply is this. Remember Elijah said he was all alone by himself? That he was the only one serving God? Now, if you read in chapter 18, you'll find out where one of the servants of of, um, Ahab had told him. He said, don't you remember or were you not told that when Jezebel wanted to kill the prophets of God or decided to kill all the prophets of God, I hid a hundred of them in two caves, 50 in each cave. And I fed them with bread and water. So, right there and right then, he knew, or he should know, that he was not alone serving God. But because Elijah was alone, because Elijah was alone, even that which he knew became something he could not even remember. Listen to what God told him. He said, "For you, your staff is completed here. But go. When you get to Damascus, you will find Hazael, anoint him to be king over Syria. You will find Jehu, anoint him to be king over Israel. You will find Elisha, anoint him to be to be a prophet." What is that telling me? And what is that telling you? Please listen there. Here is here's where, here's where we get into the crux of the matter now. Hazaiah was anointed. Jehu anointed. Elisha anointed. Just like every one of us sitting in this room. There is something that is special about you. There is something that God has put in you, that God has placed in you. However, Jehu was only supposed to be anointed over Israel. He did not have jurisdiction over Syria. Isaiah was anointed over Syria. He did not have jurisdiction over Israel. But in all of that, all three of them were supposed to fulfill the purpose and the counsel of God. Just like God has called you to fulfill his purpose and his counsel. His full and complete purpose and counsel. And if God has called you to fulfill his purpose and counsel. You know what our scripture said? He said, if you escape, whoever escapes the sword of Isaiah, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Why is that? Why is God saying that? What, is, what God is simply telling us is this. He has anointed every one of us, but to fulfill his counsel, we have to walk together. We all have to work together. If Jehu was successful only over uh, uh, Israel, the whole counsel of God would not have been fulfilled. If Isaiah was successful only over Syria, the whole counsel of God would not have been completed. In other words, God has given us something. What God is after is his kingdom. And the only way we can do it or the only way we can fulfill the counsel of God Concerning this kingdom is when we come together. So that what I cannot do, you do. What you cannot do, I do. And together we are working for God. We are working for one God, one kingdom, one person, one personality. Amen. Amen. Again, let me tell you. Do you know that from that scripture that we read. Do you know that. Elisha. God had a plan for Elisha's life. But until he met Elijah, he never knew it. He was just plowing his father's share of his father's ship. Just taking care of that. Until Elijah came and threw his uh, handkerchief on him. That's when he knew there was something about me. There's something about me. There's something, in God, there's something about God that is about me. That needs to be revealed. And until Elijah showed up on the scene, Elisha did not know it. He was doing something else. And like I told you, my life, you know, for some reason, I don't know how God planned it. I don't know how how it worked. My life has just been, you know, in a series of small groups where, you know, I have met friends. The, The first time in my life, the first time in my life I will ever face a congregation and preach was because of a small group. How did that happen? It happened by proxy. Before I met this group, we were in another small group, and all we just wanted to do, all that, you know, the work joined us, the affinity that we had at that time, was because we love to evangelize. So every Sunday after service, we go home, by 4 p.m., we're back in church to go and evangelize. And it was between that, you know, just in that and we're like maybe three or four guys or something like that. One guy who was a traditional... The, guy, the guy's father was a ruler. He was a king of, you know... Uh, we call him Miangwa. He was a <laughs> king of, of, you know, some group of villages. And the guy just got born again. And he wanted us to come and preach to his people. That was my first encounter with missions. That's how we went into those villages. There were about seven villages where we went. And guess what? We went there that day... Thinking one brother was going to preach because that was the arrangement. I've never preached before. I've never done anything in my life. Come to see that the guy did not show up. So the man said, okay. I came to invite you. I don't know it. I don't know how to do it. You do it. That was my first encounter with preaching. I can tell you stories of stories of stories of how groups, small groups, affinity groups, the groups I have affinity with, helped me. How did I know I can pray publicly? It was also because of a small group. I joined these guys who were musicians at that time. And all they wanted to do was reach out to guys. And they started reaching out and these guys were getting born again. They didn't know what to do with them. So because I was there with them, and you know, normally before practice, we'll pray. And uh, apart from praying, you know, we'll share the word. And they, were, they just said, okay, just share, just pray, just do all that. And they didn't know what to do with these guys. And that's how we took up intercession. I took up intercession, took it upon myself to start interceding, to start praying for these people, to start working for these people. And the testimony abounds today of how much God has done in my life Amen. because of all these small groups. You can't afford to be alone. You cannot afford to be alone. You cannot afford to be by yourself. If you want to fulfill all that God has called you to fulfill, you have to join yourself up with other, body, with, with, with other people or other members of the body of Christ. You have to belong. You can't remain a number. As a number, you just come in and go out. As a member, you are actually contributing. Yes. Or being a part of what it is. Amen. That is happening there. That's why in Proverbs 7, uh, Proverbs 27 verse 17, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So the face of one brother sharpens the countenance of the other. In other words, we are all irons in the hand of god instruments in the hands of god but i have never seen somebody wants to sharpen his knife and he uses a wood to do that it's not going to fly that iron will remain blunt if you want to be sharpened you have to look at the face of your brother You have to be in a relationship. In an interaction. Where he can step on your toes. And you step on his toes. Where you can tell yourself the truth. Where he can say. You are going wrong at this point. Or brother. You are doing so well. Let's encourage him. It's time to together and let's sharpen one another. The Bible says the body grows together. Ephesians 4. He said the body grows together. The body. The body grows together by that which every joint supplies. In other words, my growth cannot be complete until I get your supply. Your growth cannot be complete until you get my supply. So, because we are not coming together and we are not looking at ourselves face to face and allowing the deep to call out to the deep, you are shortchanging me, in essence. And if that's my case, also, I'm shortchanging you. It's only sometimes in church that we think being alone is okay. Because sometimes we have this mantra. We say, one with God is majority. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. That's true. But hear this about God. Hear this about God. God can be all and in all. All right? He can be all and in all in your life. And yet, he's still not intimidated for somebody else to have a space. Uh-huh. See, not intimidated. That is who he is. That is what God is. He's all and in all already. So, your coming to my life or me coming into your life does not intimidate God. It does not change who God is. It does not change him in any way. If for any reason, it enhances him in my life. Because, you see, a lot of times we say, one with God is majority. Because I have God. I know God. I'm okay. I'm alright. And then we we'll treat other people with despise. All right? That just shows me you don't know God in essence. That shows me you're not even in a relationship with God. What are we saying in essence? What am I saying in essence? I'm saying that we need one another for you to grow the way God wants you to grow and fulfill the destiny of God. That is a place where other people must occupy. You see, there, there, there are four dimensions of relation. Let me just mention this, and then, you know, I'll just, uh, uh, let me just mention this briefly. Four dimensions to relationship. One, your relationship with God. All right? Two, your relationship with yourself. Three, your relationship with others. And to complete that four quadrants is your relationship with things. Your relationship with God, yourself, and man is supposed to be on the basis of love. Okay? But your relationship with things is supposed to be on the basis of using them. That's what the Bible talks. You know, in in the first one, it says you should have dominion over, uh, I'm sorry. First, the first one, it says, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your soul, and then thou shalt love your neighbor, as I said. talking about three-dimensional relationships. All right? But in the beginning, when he was creating everything, he says, be fruitful and multiply, and replenish your heart, and have dominion over the works of God's hand. So, the relationship we are supposed to have with things is to have dominion with them. But guess what we have done? We have changed it all over. We love things and dominate people. <laughs> Turn it around, and that's why we're not as successful as we should be. So, even when I'm relating with my brother in church, I'm not relating with him on the basis of love. I'm relating with him based on what I can get from him, or how I can use him. All right. So, when things offend us, we forgive. But when people offend us, we hold it against them. Is it not true? I know somebody here that shall be nameless. <laughs> Loves PF Chang. You know PF Chang, right? Yeah. The Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Went and ate at PF Chang and had reactions. The next time we're talking about another restaurant, where to go, the person is called P.F. Chang. (laughs) P.F. Chang already hurt her. But she forgave P.F. Chang. So even though PF Chan gave me allergies, <laughs> I'm ready to forgive. <laughs> but do we apply, you see, it's funny, but do we apply the same thing to other human beings? I know people who walk on their shoes and you know their shoes, their legs get twisted because the shoes are too high or broken. <laughs> Am I correct? Yes, you are. And do they they stop wearing shoes? They go and get another high shoe. (laughs) They are loving things. And forgiving things. And we're all kidding around. I'm just trying to use that as an analogy of how, you know, we have switched around the way God has planned things. And until we we do it the way God wants us to do it. Until we do it around the way God wants us to do it. Or we change it and, 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 and act the way God wants us to act is going to be difficult for us to be able to function in the fullness or enter the fullness of what God wants us to enter. Sometimes it's only in church I would think being alone is all right. I'll repeat that again. I was reading some account recently. And they said the most innovative invention in business, the most radical, the most radical things, That happened in business. Was one. When businesses who claim legal entity. And two. When businesses move from individuals. To multiple owners. The wealth of the world doubled at that time. And they still do it today. those are the most innovative things that ever happened to business when things changed when people started owning things together when people started coming together to say okay we want to expand wealth we want to increase wealth those were the most innovative things that happened to business and you see when when, when you join groups when you join when, when you don't isolate yourself when you remain in the body, or you become a part of that body, and you're supplying. What happens is your abilities begins to increase beyond what you think you have. I like to run. Running is something I, you know, I love to do well. So I run miles. I run long miles. If there is if there's um if if i was an addict and running was a drug that would be my drug of choice i love it it put you know i i get high on, on running <laughs> however however i'm not i'm not the very fast type of you know runner i'm not very fast at you know sprinting i'm not very good at that all right I I do between you know, a little over between eight and a half, nine and a half minutes a mile. You said? Well, not fast for how long I'm running. But here is it. I, I don't think I could ever cross that barrier. Never. I've never thought I could ever cross that barrier until I had this Asian guy who runs with me. Immediately, you know, the guy comes on the field, that pace increases. So, what I thought I could not do before, I began to do because I have a partner. Why is that so? Why is that so? It is so because they have told us, you know, when when they talk about synergy, people talk about synergy, you know, why is synergy? Synergy does not mean that, you know, because you have joined me, I have suddenly increased the volume of my ability or my power. No, that's not it. But people, research have shown that as normal human beings, as regular human beings, a lot of times we are not able to access all that we have by ourselves until we get challenged by others. Until others challenge us, we don't know. Can I run less than eight and a half minutes a mile? Yes, it's inside me. The Asian did not bring it out of me because it's not there. I'm sorry. The Asian guy did not add it to me. It's there. He only brought it out because of our interaction. What am I saying? Even as Christians, that there are some things in you that you need other people to prime. They need to prime it so that you can reach optimum performance level, even in your spiritual life. And if you stay away from people, you just want to be by yourself. You just want to stay by yourself. Very soon you are going to run into a headwind that you alone cannot go through. It's every part. I mean, it's, it. It. This. This principle. This principle is a scriptural principle, but it covers every part of human existence. I have this young man here. He's my. He's my son. He's my older son that I did not give back to. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in college. He's in. He's in Auburn University. He's majoring in uh, mechanical engineering and computer science together. Very smart kid. Smart. When he went to college, I gave him. We was going to college, so I gave him all the statistics. I told him everything. I, I I bothered him. I bothered his life. So, I told him. I said, if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful, you know what you are going to do. Study hard. This is what the research says. Research says if you have, if you did four hours in class, you have to do the same four hours in private reading. If you do that, you'll be a good student. So the un- that's what research says. But the students who beat that are the students who do a little extra. So if you want to be a good student, at least to be comfortable without a problem, that's where you have to be. Now there are some outliers who are more, you know, who are more intelligent, who are more, you know, who who are more. They don't need to read that much and they just get it, all right? They are, but they're outliers. They are not the real numbers. <laughs> all right. So, if you want to be the extra, if, I mean, if you want to be, if you want to go the extra mile, if you want to go the extra mile, you have to do something extra. If you want to be extraordinary, you have to be extra. That means you have to go beyond that format. You have to do something different than spending the same number of hours in class that you're spending in your academics. And I told him, I said, for me, for me, what my own extra when I was in school, the extra I did when I was in school, is that, I had study groups. I, did I tell you that? I was always asking him, Do you have a study group? Every time I call him, Do you have a study group? How many people are in your study group? Because I know that you can only leverage what you know with what others have. Yes. It does not matter how smart. Are you listening to me, kids? It's school. You're listening to me, right? You can only leverage what you have with what others have. It doesn't matter what you know. When you come face to face with other students, with other people, you only know more. And you know it better. Yes, and what you don't know becomes easier for you. Why? Because they are coming to your level. Yes, sir. So your understanding, your knowledge becomes exponential. And that's exactly the same way because all truths are parallel. That's exactly the same way it is in the realm of the spirit or in the things of the spirit. As we come together, we are leveraging one another's, you know, authority, I mean, uh, abilities. We're helping, increasing, and drawing out everything that everyone has. And by that, we can do more than we think we are capable of. I'm telling you, This is one thing that you don't want to miss. Relating and interacting with other people. Now. Is everybody great? Will everybody in church be fantastic? Will everybody in church be beautiful? With the eyes of faith, yes. Yes. Will everybody do right? No. Will everybody do well? No. I listened to Ora Roberts many years ago. Ora Roberts made one statement that stood with me many years ago. Ora Roberts said there's no, there's no perfect church anywhere. All right? That even if there's a perfect one, the moment you stepped into it, it became imperfect. <laughs> he said it many years ago and it stood with me. There's no perfect church anywhere. No perfect church anywhere. Even if there was one, the moment you stepped into it, it became imperfect. Will people do you wrong? By God, they will do you wrong. However, I have come to believe and I have come to see. That they are more right in church than they are wrong. Amen. There are more things going for the church than against her. Amen. And all I can do is just walk with God. You see Elijah? You see what he did? God said he had what? 10,000 people that he had reserved for himself. How many people are God reserving in church that we are not seeing because we are blindsided by the fact that we think we think yes. we are by ourselves. We are the only one doing the, 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 this thing. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me go back to that. Yes, why, why was Elijah alone? And why, why are we alone here in church sometimes? What are some of the things that make us alone? Why are we always alone sometimes? For Elijah it was that like he thought he was the only one doing the work of God. Am I correct? He thought he was the only one doing the work work of God. I am the only one. For you, when the devil begins to lure you to be alone, to isolate you, it might not be that you are the only one doing the work of God. Alright? It might be something else because the Bible tells us that every time the devil just wants to take advantage of us. And we should not be ignorant of his devices. For you, it may just be I know more than all these people here who can possibly help me. Wow. Wow. Nice. And immediately, you enter into that realm. You're automatically begin to isolate yourself. Wow. Yeah. For somebody else, it might be I'm too much for these guys. Yeah. I have too much experience. My father was a nobody. Imagine the son of a governor said, okay, if he told me that time. Who is, your, who is your father? How can I? Who are you? I'm too much for you. We probably wouldn't be interacting and blessing ourselves the way we're doing today. For others of us, it might be, I don't measure up to them. I don't measure up to them. And then he begins to isolate you with that. You begin to get isolated. But I'm here to tell you. Are you too intelligent than everybody? Yes, it's a possibility. Aye. It's a possibility. You are more intelligent than everybody here. You know the world more than everybody. There's no lie about that. It might be so, it might be true. You might be saying the truth. Alright? Are you too much for everybody here? Yes. That's a possibility, also. you too low you cannot reach them their class is too high for you that may be a possibility but I'm telling you that the plan of God is that day that are high and day that are low can come together in holy relationship and we can begin to meet all our giftings and all our abilities together and because I am low you pull me up and because I am high you pull me down and then we have a plain ground upon which we can all walk Level playing field. That's how we get it. Are you richer than me? Yes, it's a possibility. Am I poorer than you? Yes, it's a possibility. But I am telling you that even though I am poorer than you, there's an anointing upon my life like God anointed Jehu. Even though you are richer than me, there's a grace upon your life like God anointed Hazael. And it doesn't matter how rich or how great you are. There are certain people that will escape your sword. And it will take my sword to cut them down for you. Wow, 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 Thank wow. you. I am telling you, these things have results. They have incontrovertible results. You have to join in. Get a group and join in. Don't be by yourself. In the natural places of work, the people who succeed are not just intelligent guys. The people who succeed in the corporate world are not just intelligent guys. There are people who are so intelligent but can't ahead in their careers some of the people that have succeeded in most cases they're the people who go and meet somebody and say I need to be I need to be your mentee please mentor me there are people who want to interact with people When you don't have what is called the social skills it diminishes your intellectual skills What am I saying, in essence? Please, 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 please. I beseech you by the message of God. Refuse to be alone. Yes. Refuse to be by yourself. Refuse to be by yourself. There are so much benefits to be with somebody or to be with a group of people than to be by yourself. I'll read the scripture and then I'll close. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4. Are we there? 9 to 12. Listen to what it said. It said, two are better than one. Be- you said what? Yeah. Okay. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm but how can one be warm alone though one may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold cord will not quickly be broken scripture summarized it a threefold cord will not quickly be broken there are more advantages for you walking with other body of believers other believers than for you to be walking alone and by yourself the advantages surmount anything like I said last week a lot of times you don't get angry at driving a car because it has the potential of having an accident all right everyone knows that a car can have an accident everyone knows that a car you know may have an accident In fact, some of us haven't been in accidents. But yet, even after we get into those accidents, we still go back and get a newer, a bigger, and a better car. Is it to process our debt fast? No. It's just that we have felt, it's just that we feel that there are more advantages to having a car than to be securing yourself that you don't want to have an accident. There are more advantages to it. And that's the way groups are. Don't be afraid. Open up your mind. Open up your hearts. Open the ears of people. Unlock that key in your hearts. Let other people come in and examine you. Let them see you. Let them know who you are. It is when they see you and know who you are, then the God in them can mirror the God in you to yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Did we all got something? Yeah. Thank you.